This is Sportsnet Today with Logan Gordon on your official home of the Flames, Sportsnet 960 The Fan. In front to Hintz, he's all alone, a lunging save made, going to his right, Aiden Hill got just enough. Hintz gets it back, they work it around, and Pavelski scores! Joe Pavelski with a one-timer from the left circle, and the Dallas Stars have staved off elimination. So we wait at least another game before we know the Stanley Cup final matchup. Still a massive hill to climb for the Dallas Stars. But the ageless wonder that is Joe Pavelski keeps them alive for at least one more trip to Vegas. And who knows? Maybe, just maybe, one win can kickstart the Dallas Stars and they can make a bit of a series of this matchup when... So far, it's been all Vegas. Perhaps this is a Kickstarter they need. No one's betting on it just yet, but at least we know we won't see two sweeps dead into the Stanley Cup final. That's the story from last night. Welcome into Sportsnet today. It's Logan Gordon along with you. Cam and Taylor, my outstanding, producer, my outstanding producers here on the program. Tons to get you on the program today. We're coming to you live from the Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studios here in Calgary, Alberta. Coming up in just a few moments, we'll chat with Sportsnet.ca's Ken Weave. He was covering the Eastern Conference Final for Sportsnet. And we thought we might be doing a Stanley Cup preview. But instead, we'll just take a peek back at the Eastern Conference Final with Ken and get his perspective on a dream season so far for the Florida Panthers and what they're looking at heading into a Stanley Cup final. First time they've been in that spot since 1996. Also get his thoughts on what's next for the Carolina Hurricanes in his latest edition of Weeb's World up at sportsnet.ca. So that's coming up a little bit later. We'll also uh, dive into a Flames rumor that's gotten some juice over the last couple of days. Jason Bukula, again from Sportsnet.ca, uh, joined Russick and Rose to chat about an interesting Flames trade proposal that we've heard uh, bandied about by a couple of writers at The Athletic. We'll talk about that a bit this hour, and then uh, kicking off hour two, very pleased to be joined by uh, John Bender, former Calgary Stampeder, and friend of the station here on Sportsnet 960. Uh, week two of CFL preseason action kicks off tonight, and the Calgary Stampeders have their annual red and white game coming up in just a few days time. So uh, just a few weeks away from CFL regular season action, getting going. We'll check in uh, with John Bender, get his feel on the Calgary Stampeders, uh, see what he thinks about this year's edition of the squad. Still lots to be determined. Haven't had any real cuts for the Stampeders yet. Still a lot of camp battles happening down at McMahon stadium. But uh, John uh, as dialed in on the Stampeders as you'll find anyone uh, across the city. So looking forward to chatting with him on that. We'll chat. A little bit of CFL as well, um, just uh, around the league, but it'll be a mostly Stampeders-focused uh, conversation with John 
when we chat with him to kick off hour two. Quick reminder, the fan feedback line always open to you here on uh, Sportsnet today, 960-960. You can send in your questions, comments, queries, whatever you want. Uh, we'll get to the text line a little bit later on during the program. And, of course, we'll read some of our favorites, no doubt. Uh, Dylan from Revy, Matt and Cochran, uh, all of our favorites will hit up the text line coming up uh, just a little bit later today. But uh, very happy to kick off the program uh, this afternoon by heading down the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline, welcoming in one of our favorites from Sportsnet and Sportsnet.ca. He was covering the Eastern Conference final for Sportsnet. Uh, it's Ken Weave joining us this afternoon. Ken, thanks as always for the time today, man. How are you? Tremendous, Logan. Thank you for having me. Uh, doing great, thank you. I wish I had been in the arena for those games, but yeah. happy to have the responsibility of covering uh, what was a uh, highly entertaining series, as you know. It, it, absolutely, and uh, one that I think uh, we know from the Carolina perspective was surprised that it only lasted four games, but how did you see this one happening? What was the difference in your mind between Florida and Carolina that had this end in just four games? Yeah, I mean, two big differences. Uh, Carolina didn't have Matthew Kachuk or Sergei Bobrovsky uh, outside of that. Uh, <laughs> you could easily make the argument, as Rod Brindamore did, in a rather stunned fashion at the podium after Game 4, that uh, he he leaves the series feeling that they could have easily swept the series. And Yeah, I mean, there's some bias attached to that, but it, it wasn't a crazy or outlandish suggestion based on how the games were played. But Having said that, I don't think this was a hang-on-for-dear-life scenario for the Panthers either by any means. Logan, they play a structured game. Yes, they give up some shots, and Carolina is a very high-shot-volume team. But, you know, and Bobrovsky definitely had to play great and exceptional. But, I mean, at the end of the day, Florida came up with some clutch moments a few more times than Carolina did. And that inability to score in the stretch and in the clutch is going to be something that Don Waddell has to look seriously at over the course of the summer. Of course, we know that Pacioretty and Svechnikov are not available, but I mean, teams deal with injuries all the time. So Caroline had a great year. They're a great hockey team. Ultimately they won eight games and that is a good accomplishment, but it's also eight wins short of the ultimate goal. So uh, I'll be very curious. I know they're having their exit meetings and interviews today. It'll be interesting to see how they approach their off season because much like the Flames and, you know, the Jets to a degree, Carolina's got some big choices, not just in this offseason, but they've got some big tickets uh, coming due next summer uh, in that class of 2024, which is something that uh, folks in your market are quite familiar with, including guys like Sebastian Ajo, uh, Brett Pesci, a longstanding homegrown talent, and, you know, Brady Shea also, who had an outstanding year. So, uh, you know, they've got some big things on the horizon, and, Full marks for the Panthers, too. I mean, they, they played very well. This wasn't just, like I said, they they earned this series. And, yes, they had to get some bounces and breaks, but, uh, you know, they really got some high-end performances from their top dogs. And, and you know, they lost Barkov for almost an entire game as well. So mm-hmm. it's not like they didn't have to deal with their own adversity. Um, a quick note, just continuing on the Carolina theme for a second before we dive a little bit more into Florida. How hard is it for you, Ken, to, to fathom that a team that we've talked about with all these great players, has lost 12 straight conference final games since they won the Cup in 06? Oh, it's downright baffling, especially when you consider the pieces of the puzzle that they've had uh, or during the span since, you know, the two times since 2019 alone. Uh, it's it's wild, but, you know, having covered a conference, I mean, it seems like a long time ago now, but, you know, the Jets won game one of their conference final in 2018, then lost four in a row as well. It's not like Vegas was, you know, head and shoulders above them, but they played the best when they had to and got elite level goaltending from Marc-Andre Fleury. So 
like, uh, you know, as an observer, I can sympathize with Rod Brindamore because it's not like he went in at the end of the day and you could tell, like, he's talking about when you're cutting clips, you're not saying, you know, why did you have this terrible breakdown here? It's not like in the Dallas series where Ryan Suter is standing beside the guy he's supposed to be covering in front of the net, but not covering his stick. I mean, like, this is, these are not like ridiculous breakdowns that are happening. And it's not like you're saying, oh, you need to be more disciplined or more structured. I mean, they just couldn't get a bounce here or there. And then in a game where they did get a couple bounces, you know, there's a ticky-tack call on the game-winning goal. So, I mean, you can understand their frustration there. I mean, was it tripping? Of course. Does Jordan Stahl know that he can't have his stick in the position where he gives the referee no choice but to make the call in that scenario? I mean, this is how I would put it. I know there's been tons of debate on so many platforms, but Okay, so if Forsling falls down and the puck goes directly to Carolina and they score the game-winning goal, would we be okay with it then if tripping wasn't called? Of course not. So I would have preferred that he swallowed the whistle because it didn't lead to a scoring chance. But, I mean, the the folks suggesting that, oh, the refs cost the Hurricanes, I mean, come on now. Like, it's it's a series (laughs) where... You know, Carolina scored two power play goals. They, they scored one, you know, before game four, they scored one goal at 5-1-5. Five five. You're, you're not going to win many series uh, when you get outscored and outperformed at 5-1-5. Five five. You know, and the Oilers learned that lesson against Vegas as well, right? So, mm-hmm. like, this is a, like I said, it's a simple formula, but it's a complex thing to put into action because it's so difficult. It just reinforces how difficult it is to win. Even when you have a great team, Logan, they were the second best team in the NHL this year. Only the Boston Bruins had more points. Bruins don't get out of the first round. Carolina, zero wins in round three, despite playing very well. So, I mean, it's a, it's a fascinating thing. And I guess the big thing coming out of Carolina, from what I'd heard earlier today, Jordan Stahl, their captain, wants to stick around. So that, that will eliminate one of those priorities for the offseason that Don Waddell has to get taken care of. And, you know, Stahl, to his credit, I, you know, we talk, you know, it's been a big point of debate and emphasis this week with Jamie Benn not speaking after getting the major and before he was suspended. Jordan Stahl was one of the players Carolina made available. He's out there answering questions, A, about the season, B, about the penalty that he took, and C, you know, about being swept and saying that he still believes, you know, the whole kicked in the crotch uh, theme and that this team's going to learn they haven't lost their belief and that you know one day they're going to get over the mountain and they'll look back at these difficult times and say they were incredibly necessary in order to to get that championship that they uh you know so covet so much uh so yeah i'm with you it's gonna be entirely fascinating to see how carolina goes about uh getting over this hump that's become the the eastern conference final for them but for the florida panthers it's uh a spot they haven't been in for a long time, 1996, obviously the last time, Ken, they found themselves in this spot. Uh, we'll talk about a couple different aspects of the team, obviously, but one guy I wanted to focus on with you specifically is a guy that you know well covering the Jets, and that's Paul Maurice. And what an interesting spot it was for Paul coming into Florida. Uh, it felt like so many Panthers fans would have been content had they remained with Andrew Burnett as the head coach, given you know they won the President's Trophy last season. They decided to make a change. As Paul has said, even, it wasn't always pretty this season, but this team has found a way to win. What aspects that you know of Paul Maurice uh, can have have led to to this sort of success for Florida? What does he do as a coach that can lead his teams to have this sort of success in the postseason? Yeah, I mean, it's the same thing that all coaches strive for. It's the buy-in, and Paul's a guy who's a very good orator. He's a great speaker. He is a great leader. 
you know, people always say, well, shelf life, shelf life, shelf life. Yes, and I understand that. And yes, I understand he has the most losses in NHL history. He's also, I think, still in the top five in wins. So this is a very smart guy. Uh, the system and structure isn't always, you know, designed to to make you look like, you know, the you know the Canadians of years past or the New Jersey Devils. You don't or play a suffocating style and don't give up anything. But man, he's back. He has a roster that is structured in the way that Paul likes his teams to play. They play incredibly fast. They are tenacious in terms of their forecheck. Their back pressure uh, is operating at a level that we didn't see in Winnipeg basically since around 2018, 2019. Uh, obviously, goaltending makes any coach look better than sometimes they are regarded as. But you can't get this far and not have an, uh, have a contribution made by the coach. And uh, Logan, the biggest thing for me that's different with Paul compared to the end of his tenure in Winnipeg is that he's got that passion and that joy uh, back. You see it, uh, you know, whether it's the f bombs flowing in the direction of the men wearing stripes or. Uh, at the podium where he's cracking jokes about bar mitzvahs and, you know, injuries and upper or lower. I mean, I had to do that reporter tucking, you know, like the dog tugging on the pant leg of the owner for a long time when you have to ask about the injuries, uh, the whole upper or lower wall, with, you know, the bar mitzvahs on two floors. So, you know, let's go with that. So, but yeah, I mean, he's got to be, you know, he's got to be pushing some of the tactical buttons as well. Right. I mean, that's, that is also part of the equation. I mean, Nick Cousins has been a career fourth liner and he's playing on one of the best second lines in hockey, right? And it sounds crazy to be calling a line that has Matthew Kachuk on it a second line because he's obviously not a second liner in terms of his value as a Hart Trophy candidate. But Nick Cousins is fit. He does a lot of the dirty work on that line. He's really good on the forecheck, gets to the net, scored a series clincher against the Maple Leafs. So the other thing about Florida too, Logan, and you know this, like Alexander Barkov's one of the best two-way players in the National Hockey League, and with Patrice Bergeron, if he if he does decide to retire, you know Barkov's probably at the top of that list now for the next however long, whether it's five years or ten years. And uh, it's really interesting. I mean, I had a chance to spend some time along seeing Barkov and Patrick Laine during that Global Series trip to Finland, just to see like this guy is a real legit humble superstar. And even though he is the older player to Laine, he was like the little brother rather than the big brother. But you see when he sits at the podium beside Matthew Kachuk at the end of that series, like what it's meant for him to have someone like Matthew around and how he really connected with him and how he talked about it felt like they had known each other for 10 years, like just on that initial like text chain. I mean, this is a guy who's a great leader, but you know, he's also been able to lean on someone like Matthew who uh, let's just say he enjoys the spotlight a little more than someone like Barkoff would. Yeah. But that ability, like that yin, yin and yang, and or whatever you want to wait, or whatever way you want to describe it. I mean, it's similar to how him and Johnny Gaudreau, right? I mean, one yeah. guy loves the spotlight, the other guy would prefer to not see a microphone for the next ten years, right? So, it's very similar. And I think the other thing that's so fascinating about the Panthers run is Bobrovsky, right? Yeah. The Panthers rolled into town, Logan, in December. Spencer Knight had won the job, like, yep. taken over as the number one guy. Now he fell on his face and got pulled that day. And obviously we're all hoping that Spencer gets things taken care of with him being in the, in the program, uh, NHLPA. But um, like, he lost the job twice this year, once to Spencer Knight and then down the stretch to Alex Lyon. And the way that, I mean, as a reporter, it's probably partly infuriating to hear his, his post-game comments because he's, He's talking about how great the opportunity is. But when you actually dig into 
why he's expressing this gratitude, it's because of the journey he had, right? For, for the majority of this year, the narrative was Sergei Bobrovsky is overpaid at $10 million. What were the Panthers doing? And now suddenly the narrative is Sergei Bobrovsky is the Conn Smythe clubhouse leader, even with the amazing things Matthew Kachuk is doing in terms of his clutch performances. So, man, like unless you're in that body and having that experience that Sergei Bobrovsky had where you go from being one of the best at your profession to questioning what do I have to do to keep my job, you can understand why he feels this enormous sense of gratitude and, and all of those things that have been so prevalent uh, in ev- each and every one of his interviews. So uh, and it's just so funny. I mean, you know, Barkoff going back to him saying, I talk about Bob every day. He's still unreal. Like this is, <laughs> we're, we're, we're familiar with this and we're really thrilled that the rest of you are finally catching on. So yeah, I mean, they're just playing with this enormous confidence and I know there's lots of comparisons to the 2012 Kings and all of those things, but uh, you know, Paul's done a great job of kind of rallying this group together, and you can't get that without the buy-in from what the coach is selling, but you also can't get it without the performances from the players, and that's one thing that Paul has always said, and he said it throughout the course of the series. I mean, yeah, he's doing his best to prepare his team, but ultimately the execution is what's getting it done, and right now they're a very confident group, and it'll be interesting to see regardless of you know, whether they're playing Vegas, we expect them to play with this whole 3-1 lead, or if Dallas somehow does the unthinkable and rallies to win four straight. I mean, the Panthers are definitely an underdog, no doubt. Matthew has been banging that drum for a long time. <laughs> but it's hard to argue that, you know, that team's not confident. It, it would not be, it's not, it's going to be more of a coin flip series than a David versus Goliath, at least for me. Yeah, 100%. I think that's a, a very good way of putting it. Ken Weeb along with us this afternoon from Sportsnet.ca and Sportsnet uh, covering the Eastern Conference Final. It uh, was over in four games, and now uh, the Florida Panthers have to wait at least a couple more days to find out uh, if it will indeed be the Vegas Golden Knights or the Dallas Stars can push this perhaps to a sixth or seventh game uh, in that series. Away from uh, the current playoffs right now, Ken, your uh, latest at uh, Sportsnet.ca for Weeb's World. Uh, going over some of the, the craziness that's been in Toronto the last couple of days. And I know it's a couple of days since your article posted there. What have you made of this entire situation with Kyle Dubas of the Toronto Maple Leafs? I really liked how you, you dove into it in your article, but I'm curious how a couple more days and, you know, we've gotten some more information, um, you know, from both sides, I would say, after this thing has sort of unfolded. How do you see this whole process and how we went from, you know, Toronto finally breaking that first round curse and feeling like, there's absolutely no way that there's not going to be another year of Kyle Dubas and Sheldon Keith to now we're hearing, you know, finalists for a, a new GM in Toronto. Yeah, it is a fascinating story, the way that it unfolded. And, you know, to begin with, I loved how open and honest Kyle was in his press conference. That was obviously not viewed overly well by MLSE or Brendan Shanahan uh, because he was very reflective and very open uh, and I know there's a lot of people saying, but hey, 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 you said this, you said it was Leafs or nothing. But hey, <laughs> I'm here to tell you right now, and I'm not trying to make light of the slogan, but uh, I was pretty sure that when I was employed by The Athletic, it was The Athletic or nothing. But <laughs> after I got laid off, you were fine looking for another job because yeah. you need another job. So, yeah. uh, and again, I'm not trying to make light of the situation. I'm just saying that for people saying, oh, he lied or he wasn't being truthful, um, I, I don't consider that to be the case, nor are the people who are saying that 
I mean, he was trying to create leverage. He he, lit, he minimized his leverage by saying he wasn't planning on going elsewhere. So uh, is it possible that, you know, a telecom did not appreciate the agent dropping a, a new offer on their lap late in the process? Of course, it's it's not just possible, it's probable. But, you know, I, I don't think that, uh, you know, Dubis acted untowardly or that he suddenly didn't want the job anymore. I think that, uh, you know, he said, if I want to keep the job and do it properly, I want to be compensated at this level. And, uh, you know, and we know there's been talk about the power struggle too, and maybe there was a rift, not a rift, but maybe things have broken down. And, you know, Elliot has talked about it a lot in terms of the structure being too tedious uh, for Dubis's liking. And they weren't trying to cut out Shanahan, but they were trying to streamline that process. And that, and that makes a lot of sense. And, I mean, again, as it pertains to the Calgary market, I mean, I think that, you know, Brad Tree Living has been there, according to Elliot, this week and interviewed. Uh, I think that Brad is a very capable manager. I think he would do an excellent job in that role. He would not be overwhelmed by the situation. Uh, we know he is not afraid to make bold moves, and bold moves will be required. And I think, too, I think the other narrative that, that I don't like a lot right now, Logan, uh, is this whole thing about, oh, well, uh, you know, Trilling just traded his best player away last summer. Well, it wasn't that he chose to trade his best player. His best player told him essentially that he wasn't going to sign long-term and he had to make a move in order to try to improve the roster. And Brad also got those two guys signed. And, you know, I think it's easy for people to say now, oh, well, Huberto went from 109 to 50-some points. Well, if Huberto is back to 80-plus next year and Mackenzie Weger plays the way he did down the stretch and, you know, into next season – I think that that trade is going to be viewed just fine, even if the Panthers happen to win the Stanley Cup. So, uh, you know, I think Brad is a, is a very strong candidate there, and I think he'll do a great job. And, you know, I love the way that Craig Conroy talked uh, with Jeff Merrick earlier this week after the press conference about how much he learned from Brad and how, you know, big an impact he had on him ascending into the top spot, into the top job in Calgary as well. Uh, let's let's get your thoughts on that quickly while I have you, Ken. What did you think of, of Craig Conroy being named the next GM in Calgary? Yeah, I think it's a great story. And, you know, this is a guy who uh, is, I don't know Craig super well. I've been fortunate to speak with him on a couple of occasions, including when I did my feature on Dave Lowry when he got you know, when he got the interim head coaching job. It's those two, two guys being former roommates in Calgary. Always an insightful and articulate guy. He brings a certain, you know, joy level to the rink every single day. Uh, he's paid his dues, and I think he's going to do an awesome job in Calgary. And, he won't be afraid to make hard decisions either. So uh, this is a guy who's played a variety of roles and both as a player and then, you know, as a management person, uh, I think he's very upbeat. I, I like the people that he's, you know, surrounding himself with, you know, I know Dave known us a little bit from his time as a general manager in Vancouver when, when they were the parent team for the Manitoba Moose, uh, really sharp hockey mind. I'm glad people like Chris Snow and Brad Pascal are, are sticking around and given bigger responsibilities. I think they're going to do a great job there. And uh, I think now Craig's next decision will be, you know, whether you're going to go internally with Mitch Love or uh, if you're going to go with another candidate on that coaching front, there's, there's a number of great candidates. We know what the priorities are. And, you know, I think that's a, it's a big decision, but I think it's one that uh, Craig will be very prepared for. Ken, thanks as always for the time. Really loved your insights on the uh, the Eastern Conference Final. There was a great series between Carolina and Florida, and looking forward to uh, to seeing what comes here next. Enjoy the rest of the uh, the West Final and the Stanley Cup Final, pal, and uh, look forward to chatting with you again sometime soon, hey? Yep, thanks for having me, Logan, and uh, Boston 10 celebration. I'm pointing to the exits. Thanks for having me, and have a great weekend. <laughs> Take care, Ken. Appreciate the time as always. Ken Weeb.
Sportsnet.ca contributor joining us down the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline. Always kind enough to give us some time. Regular covering the Jets, uh, but had his latest uh, covering the Eastern Conference Final up at Sportsnet.ca. And just a couple of days ago, another edition of Weaves World, some of his uh, NHL thoughts around the league, including Kyle Dubas uh, and the situation with him and the Toronto Maple Leafs. Uh, more on Sergei Bobrovsky, just a ton of great content from Ken, as always, and uh, always appreciate him giving us some time uh, here on Sportsnet today. Uh, we will take a break and come back on the other side. There's a major Flames trade rumor that's been circling for a couple of days now. I think it's about time we dove into it here on Sportsnet today. We'll do that next here on Sportsnet 960, The Fan. You're listening to Sportsnet Today with Logan Gordon on the home of the Flames. Sportsnet 960, The Fan. Uh, this is Sportsnet Today. That's Cam. She's Taylor. I'm Logan. Uh, thanks to Ken Weeb for joining us to kick off the program. Turning all things Eastern Conference Finals. Looking ahead to uh, the Stanley Cup Final matchup with the Florida Panthers. And either the Dallas Stars or more than likely the Vegas Golden Knights. But we got to bring it back to the Calgary Flames because there's been an interesting rumor going around and I think it's it's reached the point where it's worth chatting about and I'm curious if you're listening live for your thoughts on this one 960-960 fan feedback line always open to you here on Sportsnet today our pal Julian McKenzie from The Athletic covering the Calgary Flames you know him you love him he's friend of the station on just about every program at different times, helping us break things down with the Calgary Flames. Uh, he did a Flames mailbag with The Athletic and talked about, and it was getting questions about, okay, what happens if Elias Lindholm doesn't want to re-sign with the Calgary Flames? Flashback to locker cleanout day for the Calgary Flames. Everyone's doing media, and Lindholm is... Pretty non-committal about his future in Calgary. They got a year left. We'll see how it goes. You know, didn't seem to be very happy about the situation. Now, a lot's changed since then. When Elias Lindholm made those comments, Brad Treliving was still the team's GM. Daryl Sutter was still the head coach. Both of them are now gone. Craig Conroy is the GM who will be heading up a new head coaching search. So we're not entirely sure how Elias feels about that. Were those the reasons for him being so noncommittal to Calgary past this upcoming season? We don't know the answers to that, but it got a lot of people thinking, and for good reason, okay, what happens next? Because as the GM himself said, seven UFAs heading into next season just doesn't work for the Calgary Flames. And it's obviously a point of concern for anybody who cheers for the local hockey club that someone of that importance who only has a year left on his contract and could walk as a UFA would say those kind of things. And it obviously brings back fears of Johnny Gaudreau and what do you do in these situations? What happens? Should you trade him beforehand? All these sort of things. And in Julian's piece at The Athletic came the idea of, okay, Lindholm, say Lindholm doesn't want to stay, say the changes haven't been enough, he's still non-committal to Calgary, what do you do? He's a massive piece that 
any NHL team would love to add. Who makes sense? What makes sense? And the idea of the Columbus Blue Jackets got put out there. A team where, you just might know, Johnny Gaudreau happens to play now. Formed a pretty good chemistry in their time together in Calgary. Blue Jackets certainly sound as though they're sick of losing. And perhaps another, uh, even though it's going to be a top prospect in the draft, perhaps another couple years of waiting and developing prospects just isn't in the cards for Columbus right now. If they could make the right move, maybe they'd move that pick at third overall. And the interesting side of this comes from the fact that Julian, being a, a smart reporter, used the assets available to him to further it and brought in Aaron Portsline of The Athletic, who's covered the Blue Jackets for many years. And that was sort of the idea thrown out by Aaron Portsline was that perhaps if an extension were, was something that Elias at home was open to in Columbus, the Flames and Jackets could find themselves as trade partners, Lindholm and an extension, maybe a sweetener in there for the third overall pick. It's got Flames Twitter buzzing. I've seen a ton of people talking about it. We had Mike Gould on the program yesterday with us from Daily Faceoff. It's something that he brought up as an interesting idea. The guys in the morning show, Russick and Rose on the big show, talked about it uh, with Jason Bukola, former NHL scout. We'll hear that. We'll hear Jason's thoughts on it in just a moment here. But it's garnered enough attention that I thought it was worth our time to talk about it today and to let you have your say on the fan feedback line at 960-960. Presumably the first two picks would be set with Bedard and Fantilli going 1-2, would leave the Flames likely in possession of uh, Swedish star center Leo Carlson. So that's that's sort of the idea here, is that it would wind up being Carlson for Lindholm as long as Lindholm's willing to sign an extension. So let's break this down from a couple different perspectives. First things first for me on this. If you can sign Lindholm and keep him in Calgary, to me, that is the number one priority for this team. I know it's Craig Conroy's priority. He said so at his introductory press conference. He's brought it up every single time he's been asked it doing the media rounds the last couple of days. Elias Lindholm is someone that he wants to get on the same page with and wants to figure out the situation. So I think if you can sign Elias Lindholm, I I think you do it. Now, that being said, if there is any hesitation from Elias Lindholm in his camp, I think you do have to explore the option of trading him. And I say that because I think he's your most valuable asset at this point. I think in the summer, given how good of a player he is, you would have no shortage of teams interested in bringing in Elias Lindholm. I think the, the, the package, and we'll get to the, the Columbus idea of it in a second here, that package or any other package for Elias Lindholm would be a major, major one for Calgary. Guys like Elias Lindholm do not come up very often. And from a Flames perspective, there is something to be said about you've already committed money to Kadri and Lindholm 
heading into the early part of their 30s, would you want to throw another name into that list? And there, there will be people who feel that way about Elias Lindholm for sure. So, again, my priority would be to re-sign Lindholm if I could. But, again, if I'm Craig Conroy and I hear any sort of hesitation or trepidation from Lindholm or his camp that he's not so sure that Calgary's the spot, then I'm absolutely okay with the idea of moving on from him because I do think the return is going to be massive. And you can't, you cannot in any way, shape, or form walk into another situation like you had with Johnny Gaudreau. Craig's made that very clear that if he could redo that situation, he would. But he wasn't the GM at that time. He was a part of it, yes, but he wasn't the GM at the time. But if it was him, he would have handled that differently. And I think if you know we're being realistic, if Craig was the guy, it certainly sounds as though Craig would have found a way to keep Johnny in, in Calgary. So if Lindholm doesn't want to be here for whatever reason, then you have to look at moving him. So now the, the trade proposal that we've, we've dove into here. Columbus gives up the third overall pick to reunite Goudreau with Lindholm, and they get an extension done with Lindholm as part of the deal, so they guarantee he won't walk in free agency on them next year as well. Interesting thought process that does a lot for both teams. What about somebody who was in the league and continues to monitor it very closely? That's Jason Bukula. A uh, guy that we've had on a lot, former NHL scout for the Florida Panthers, now uh, doing work for Sportsnet.ca. Uh, Rustic and Rose from the Big Show earlier today, George asked Jason about that trade proposal and what his immediate thoughts would be if that was a deal that actually could take place. Here's what Jason had to say earlier today. Jason, we we uh, our friend of the show, uh, Julian McKenzie, wrote this piece on the Athletic in his mailbag about potentially an Elias Lindholm deal to the Columbus Blue Jackets. And Aaron Portsline, who covers the Jackets for years, kind of said, yeah, maybe the Jackets would get together on an Elias Lindholm trade if Lindholm would sign an extension in Columbus to obviously be reunited with Johnny Goudreau. And maybe the third overall pick could be a part of that deal. If you're the Calgary Flames, what kind of franchise changer, if they could actually swing this, would a Leo Carlson be to Calgary? Potentially. If that's the guy they're taking third. Books. Is that the guy you would take third? Yeah, he's third on my list right now. I think that uh, you can't, you know, you can't avoid the the reality with the kid. He's like big body, six foot three, can play the middle, can play the wing, uh, more of a distributor than a shooter. So that would be a little bit of a, uh, um, you know, given where they are at with uh, with Naz and, and Jonathan. Um, Jonathan needs uh, somebody in the middle to distribute him the puck a little bit more next year. So. You know, earlier on, a guy like Carlson might even be able to slide into some of these roles. You couldn't ignore it. I mean, that's the bottom line. If they were to do that trade, though, and I, you know, we shared it over text yesterday, and it kind of, I took pause on it, but it makes a lot of sense for both has to be that it doesn't send the wrong message to the group in Calgary that we're going in a different direction. Because I do believe that this team, um, let me put it to this way, everybody uh, who's listening, you know, you have a, you have a boss and, and, you know, you don't like going to work every day. And because of that, your production, you know, falls off and you're just not motivated to do a good job. I would suggest that you're going to get 10 to 15% more out of the group next year, just because everybody's going to be happier. 10 to 15% got you in the playoffs this year. And then you could be, the, you could have been the Florida Panthers, right? Like honestly, if they got in the playoffs. So 
it's delicate. Like, do you move a guy out and, you know, sacrifice the fact that, you know, we still could be a good team next year and go on a run? I guess ownership will uh, will dictate that. But I will say this. If I'm running the draft table, um, that's an attractive offer that I would seriously have to ponder, and it wouldn't just be a 24-hour thing. That makes sense to me, that deal. Makes sense. According to Jason Bukula. And look, the thing is, if you're... And we've said this all the time. We've said it a lot in Calgary, which is frustrating, but we've said this a lot. It's so hard to acquire that number one center. You really, it, it almost comes down to you have to try, you have to draft them almost every single time. And it just so happens that at the top of this draft, there could be a couple of guys in that position that, that fit for the Calgary Flames. You're, now, again, you're assuming that, you know, Fantilli's gone, Bedard's gone, those two centers are off the the board. Will Smith's an interesting idea. Leo Carlson's kind of the guy here that's that's being bandied about. Could he could you view him as a as a number one center down the road for you? Has the versatility to play on the wing or in the center ice position? Depending on the circumstances. So you could essentially be trading what is your number one center right now for your future number one center in, in a guy like Leo Carlson. That's, that's the, the part of it. So yeah, look, it's as far as the deal goes, if that was on the table, if that's something that legitimately could happen. And the only reason I really buy into it is because it came from a guy like Aaron Portsline in Columbus. This isn't something that generated in Calgary. This was someone in Columbus in that market who understands what the Blue Jackets have been going through. And look, from a Columbus perspective, why wouldn't you do that? That's the one thing that you've missed for a long time, too, is picking up that number one center. As good as Leo Carlson might be, you can't project him to be your number one center in three years because you've got Johnny Gaudreau now. You've signed Johnny Gaudreau to this big money contract right now. You need to see that turn into something sooner rather than later as well. So if you sit there and go, I have a chance to reunite him with a center that led to some of his best career numbers in Calgary, it has to be intriguing if you're the Columbus Blue Jackets. There's no doubt about it. There's no part of this that I don't think is interesting. The only thing like Jason throws in there that I think is interesting is from a Calgary perspective, can Craig sell a deal like that to ownership? Can you say, look, I know we're losing Lindholm and that's a big loss to this team because you're losing your number one center. your most, one of your most important players on the penalty kill. Um, obviously I don't think with all due respect to both of these guys, Kadri and Backlund, uh, I don't think either one of them can fit into the same role or importance that that Elias Lindholm did. But can you sell them that hey, in in two to three years, this makes us a much better team than it does right now, and it's worth you know a little bit of short term pain to to go out and acquire somebody who could be a very long term piece of our organization. It's definitely worth the conversation. 
So it's interesting. And and look, and we can talk about it too. It might not be Carlson. Maybe Carlson goes too. Maybe it's Will Smith who who comes in and is the pick for for whoever at three overall. It doesn't have to be Calgary. Right? Maybe it is Fantilli, something like that. We know it's not going to be Bedard, but it's going to be there's going to be a prospect there worth the conversation. Uh, some at uh, nine six zero nine six zero. Because uh, as always, this has brought up a variance of opinions, and uh, I wanted to get your feedback if you're listening live, and uh, see what you think. Uh, we'll start it with uh, our boy Matt and Cochran. He says if the third overall pick is in play, I think Conroy needs to make that move. This team needs youth and speed. Replacing Lindholm with a Leo Carlson feels like a no-brainer. The only thing I would say here is that you're not replacing. You gotta be you gotta be clear about that. As good as a Leo Carlson might be, and, and I think will be at the NHL level, he's got great size. He's six three, skates really well. It's not replacing. He might be able to jump into an NHL lineup day one, but you're 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 without a number one center. That's gone. That is off the table. He's he's not a number one center yet. It's not going to be like Bedard, who, you know, is probably going to be one C in Chicago for a number of different reasons. That's you're projecting Leo to be your number one in a couple of years. Uh, Roger in Calgary says third overall pick in Cole Sillinger for Lindholm. I could get behind that. Uh, I don't think Columbus is throwing in Cole Sillinger. I know uh, that's a a piece that a lot of Flames fans have uh, liked in Columbus. I give you that, but I, I think honestly you're probably talking. Um, a bit too. I don't think Columbus would have any interest in throwing two prospects at Calgary. Uh, Shub says uh, management definitely needs to speak with Lindholm first, but I've always believed Calgary was just a stop on his journey. I trade him as soon as possible. Uh, Mick says the sweetener would have to be the 16th overall pick or Hannafin at the very least for Carlson. Again, I the only reason I would disagree with that Mick is because Portsline. In his piece on the athletic, in Julian's piece on the athletic, I should say, you know, talked about maybe needing some sort of a sweetener, maybe a second round pick next year. I, I really don't think you're talking about having to pick swap with Columbus and throw in another piece. I think Lindholm holds enough individual value that saying Lindholm and, you know, the thoughts of an extension of the terms to an extension for the third overall pick pretty much makes a lot of sense just on on merit. I don't think you have to throw in a tunnel a ton else if you're the the Calgary Flames. That's just me. I might maybe I'm wrong on that, but I can't see them having to, to pick swap with Columbus for for 16. I, I just don't. Uh this one says uh where it goes. Here's this one here. Uh this one says Columbus makes sense even if it's not for the third overall. What about taking LA's pick? Picking up Cole Sillinger, Yurichek, or one of their other solid young players, maybe. That's an interesting idea. I think the the thought process behind the third overall pick is that you get that center that you covet so badly if you're the Calgary Flames, but there's a way you could maybe pick up Cole Sillinger. They do have a ton of prospects uh, in the Columbus organization, that's for sure. Uh, this one says, uh, this is from Jeff. This is my first choice is having Lindholm re-sign long-term, no question. But if he's giving you vibes, he wants to explore other options. You have to deal him this summer. 
Landing a potential franchise player in a very deep draft is enticing as a Flames fan. May dovetail nicely, too, with a new arena opening in a few years. Thanks. Love the show. Jeff, appreciate you texting in. Um, yeah, wouldn't that be something to open a new arena um, with a potential star like a, a Leo Carlson or whoever it would be for the Calgary Flames? Uh, this one says, can't see Lindholm bringing back a third overall pick. Lindholm is good, but most teams have a player of his caliber. And that's the interesting thing. Columbus, one of those teams that, that really doesn't. The center ice depth on Columbus has been a black hole for them the last couple of years. And the reason that I think this does make sense, uh, at least looking at it from this perspective, is they're, in a way, even though they've fallen off so badly uh, this season, signing Johnny Gaudreau to that contract kind of puts them in a, you know, a mood to compete sooner than later. Right, whether you think that's right or wrong, and they should continue to build through the draft. Boone Jenner is not getting it done at center for the Columbus Blue Jackets. Sean Corrali is not going to do it as your number one center. You know, Jack Roslovic's a good player, but he's twenty six. I don't think he's got number one center chops. And I think it's why this deal's intrigued a lot of teams because there is such a natural fit there. Okay, not only does Columbus get that number one center that they need in their organization. It's a center that now fits in nicely with Johnny Gaudreau. You know the kind of chemistry they had in Calgary. So I, I could actually see that working. Uh, what else we got here? Peter in Bridgeland. I would pull the trigger on a Lindholm trade for a first rounder, put Dubé back at center, uh, sign Backlund and give him the C. What else we got here? Um... Two years ago, uh, Lindholm is not a number one center. Last year, Lindholm is an elite number one center. This year, is Lindholm even a number one center? I'm pretty sure I heard those words on this radio station uh, from Keith and Hannah. I, I mean, I think there's been a difference in conversation um, about what Lindholm is, but I think Lindholm's always been a number one center here in Calgary. I mean, could you make the argument that he's a number one, like a top five number one center in the league? Probably not, but I think on this team, he's absolutely a number one center. Uh, this one says, it was so nice to hear Conroy place an emphasis on asset management. The Gaudreau situation will have the Flames risk adverse for a long, long time. Combine that with Conroy's love of scouting in the junior ranks. Maybe we're entering a part of the, of the Flames where we see more player for draft picks uh, than player for player trades. Uh, what else it says? Don't forget the cap space you could get in a trade like this as well. That's 100% uh, true as well. Uh, this one says, if Columbus, if Lindholm doesn't want to stay, to, uh, doesn't want to stay, excuse me, uh, to Columbus for their third would be a no-brainer for me. That's from uh, Ruben Grassy Lake. Uh, this one says, Calgary's first and Lindholm for Sillinger and Columbus's first. You guys love Sillinger. Um, good player. Yeah. He's a great little dude. Great player. Absolutely. I'd, hey, I'd love to to see Cole Sillinger. I'm just saying he just got into that organization. I know he's a, a Medicine Hat Tigers product. I get it. But uh, I just, uh, as much as I'd love to do it, I think we're getting a, a, just a bit greedy for ourselves here. I'd love just to shoot big. You want to start the whole rebuild. I get it. I just, I think if you're having this call, if this is an actual conversation that's may or may not happening, I have no idea. Uh, I just think if you're Columbus, you're like, ah, we're already doing the third overall pick. I think I'll keep Sillinger in house 
uh, for the time being. But I, hey, I get it. You sit there and you go, oh, wouldn't it be nice to pick this and pick this and pick this? Yeah, it would be nice to have a little bit of everything when you do that. Uh, this one uh, says from Kelly in Calgary. Uh, you totally do that deal all day. You do it now. Uh, I think even if he wants to re-sign, I would do it. The reason I think it makes sense because of the age difference. Uh, Ray in Calgary says, uh, keep Lindholm, but if he won't stay, then Lindholm and Shillington for the third pick and Cole Sillinger. Uh, I like that we've evolved this into finding a way to bring Cole Sillinger into Calgary. I thought just the number three pick would be enough to to generate enough conversation, but I like that Flames fans want to... We're going to go for a true blockbuster. You thought Huberto for Kachuk and Uyghur and Schwint. We're going to, Conroy's going to bring his own blockbuster. It's going to be the third and Sillinger plus plus for uh, Lindholm and others. That would be a, wouldn't that be a something? Blockbuster after blockbuster, just, Taylor? Just for this organization, just every season from now on, blockbuster <laughs> after blockbuster. That'd be crazy. It's already been crazy. And let's be honest, the offseason hasn't really even started yet. But, um, could that be a way for Craig Connor to make a stamp on his, on this team right away? Absolutely. Will it happen? I have absolutely no idea. It's just something that makes sense. And a couple of great writers at The Athletic, like our pal Julian McKenzie, brought up uh, in a fun Flames mailbag, and I thought it was worth talking about on a Friday. And I appreciate all of you texting in uh, at 960-960. We will no doubt have more conversations like this as the summer goes on. You can uh, go onto whatever website and dream up your Cole Sillinger Flames jerseys and what it might look like for him in red and do all that. And but we'll see. Who I, does it happen? I have no idea. Um, but I do know after last season and the massive trades that we saw with this team, I, I think anything's possible. And given where the Flames are, it's a unique spot. Um, I, I wouldn't be against major changes to try to see how this team, you know, shapes itself under Conroy's vision over the next couple of years. I think that's going to be. For me, the coolest part about this is we get to see just how aggressive Craig Conroy is going to be now that he's got the keys and he's going to make the decisions for this Flames team. Uh, we'll obviously chat more Calgary Flames as the offseason rolls on. We're the home of the Flames here on Sportsnet 960, but uh, we'll take a break, come back on the other side, chat some Calgary football. Our pal John Bender, former Nevada Wolfpack, former Calgary Stampeder himself, uh, he's going to join us on the program. We'll chat some Calgary Stampeders football just a few weeks out from the regular season beginning, the Jake Mayer era officially here for the Calgary Stampeders. We'll take a look at the upcoming year for the Red and White next here on Sportsnet 960, The Fan.